0: I'm Mark Walsh and coming up on today's show. We're an influence and advocacy company. We do work across research, public affairs, uh, strategic communications mainly. We also do some executive advising and coaching on the inside of companies.
1: Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. What's working in Washington? I'm Mark Walsh, your host. And today we are with Mark Drapeau. Mark is a partner at RXN Group, which stands for Reaction. I like that. He's one of the founding partners. And we talk about data because RXN gathers data to make a case for things that matter to legislators, lobbyists, people that are affecting our daily lives as citizens, both at the federal and the state level. And the shocker here is that a lot of times those decisions are not based on data. So RxN has a really good business of gathering important data to support, to support a piece of legislation or support it not being enacted. You'll hear that assertion by him. And what you might be saying, like I did, is, boy, I wish we had more of that. Anyway, here's our conversation. Mark, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's hop into sort of how RxN came around. You were at Microsoft for a period of time a company I know quite well uh, for all sorts of good and bad reasons, like many of us. Walk me through your sort of leaving Microsoft. How how did you get to RxN and 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 then what does RxN offer to the D.C. community? Well, long story, with a lot of twists and turns, but there you we'll, go.
0: we'll start at Microsoft. I literally worked across the street from where we are now in the Microsoft building there on Wisconsin Avenue and for about four years or so. In the public sector group, uh, which is which is based in D.C., as you might imagine, and you know that that kind of ran its course. I was able to do a lot of interesting work there, but also you know companies change, teams change over time. It was time to leave, and to make a bit of a long story short, I went to uh, the Atlantic Media, uh, another great company, and helped them build at the time their. Branded Content Studio, which was all the rage around 2015, Right, media companies were starting studios to do customized work, content, website development, and so on for um, corporate and association clients. Um, Spent some time there and then eventually went freelance and consulted for some other great clients, perhaps most notably the Branded Content Studio of Politico, a similar kind of company here in the Beltway. So cut my teeth there, and uh, the person I worked with most closely at Politico, Nick Yeager, is now the managing partner and co-founder with me of RxN Group, along with a couple other partners.
1: So what's a typical client engagement for RxN, or is there one?
0: Well, we're an influence and advocacy company. We do work across research, public affairs, uh, strategic communications mainly. Um, we also do some executive advising and coaching on the inside of companies, which is a little bit less relevant for the Beltway crowd, Yeah, we often start with some kind of big client challenge. Um, You know, a name brand kind of company that you see in the news or a trade association here in town, they have some kind of challenge. In D.C., it often involves Congress, sometimes the administration. We also do work in state capitals around the country. And we typically are the ones who get approached when the, the current consultants that you have on staff don't know what to do, or they need some additional help of some kind. We look at things through a data-driven lens. We tend to work across the spectrum from research all the way to communications or lobbying or public affairs or some kind of advocacy campaign. And what's interesting about us is that all of it is integrated into yep. one tight-knit group. The more public affairs type folks that work with us uh, or work for us help with the research. And I do whatever research needs to get done. We find insights. We find credible outside voices, academic experts, business owners that give the work context beyond just the numbers. And then we integrate that back into whatever the end result is. That's trying to solve some problem.
1: Unfair question. But how often have you, as you gather data to support the arena that you uh, have been asked to to make an impact on have you found that the data is in conflict or surprising to the legislator or his or her staff with the overall goal of the legislation or the the arena that they were they were they were jumping around in and and is that collision how often is that collision of great surprise to them
0: i think a lot of times what we do is surprising because because that is the goal from the outset often Right. There, there often is some dominant narrative or some winning position that is the case. That is what's causing the the problem in, in, that we're getting approached right. about. We are trying to act as a catalyst to create a reaction, which is where our, our name comes from, create a reaction that actually moves the needle. It's very hard to move folks off of a dominant narrative. So how do you do that? By collecting insightful data points, by building context around them, through different kinds of content that we can create and publish ourselves through our think tank, the Data Catalyst Institute, which is sort of our media arm, if you will, and then bring in credible voices, whether they're business owners that are being affected in some way, academics, uh, industry experts who might specialize in say retail or food and beverage, they can help contextualize the data point. So don't take it from me; take it from this right. per- take it from this professor or business owner. That this data point is representative of
1: of the of the overall point. So we're talking. Yeah. I, by the way, I just realized something because you you showed me. It's uh, we're talking with Mark Drapo. Mark is the one of the partners at RXN Group. An RXN Reaction. I just I had I just figured out that the letters. That's cool. That that, that that's yeah. kind of a cool name. <laughs> we talked earlier offline about small business versus big business, and it sounds like you have big some big business as clients and some uh, and and some of the issues that that you make an impact on. But also we talked about how many small businesses there are. Obviously, close to my heart, I worked at the Small Business Administration. What are some things that you think most legislators or their staffs at either state or federal level kind of don't get about how important small business is? Well,
0: yeah, probably a great many things, um, but 99.9% of all businesses in America are small businesses. Every problem, every policy is related to small business in some way. The economy runs on small businesses. So what is misunderstood about them? Perhaps how many there are, just some of those sheer numbers that I laid out that come from the SBA, but a lot of people just don't realize just the sheer number of these. And more and more businesses are created every year. Some of them go away too, of course, but especially now, digital platforms, a part-time kind of gig or flex economy has made it even easier to start a small business, even if you're doing it only part-time, if you're doing it from your home or even like your car or your phone. You can run a business i think also a lot of policymakers don't appreciate especially probably for younger small business owners how much they utilize or rely on say digital advertising yeah and we talk to fairly small businesses maybe they have 40 employees 60 employees they spend millions of dollars sometimes on digital advertising especially if they're in retail and they have to reach customers and sell them in some way and they are utilizing a platform like instagram or a platform like facebook or google to do that, those are some of the most popular places to buy digital ads. You know, they really rely on them for the bottom line to make sales and so on. They also use digital platforms for all sorts of things, like hiring, communications. Yep. And especially when you have something like the pandemic, which is very disruptive, these these kinds of tools, the digital economy, if you will, acts as a safety net, a digital safety net for these smaller businesses, much more than, say, these gigantic companies which have a lot of access to capital and other resources that they can fall back exactly. on. Exactly. What was Covid's impact on your business? <laughs> That's an interesting question. You know, we we for, RXN Group is the amalgamation of a few um, uh, predecessor companies and the predecessor or the one of the predecessors was Catalyst Research. Okay. Uh, we created this just before Covid. So it's a very pertinent question. We got planning it maybe five months or so before COVID. We had all these plans and slide decks and projections, and then COVID happened. The lockdowns happened here in D.C. and elsewhere, and all of that went out the window. We were very fortunate to have a couple really good clients and projects. One of those projects was actually converted to a project about COVID because the project it was going to be became irrelevant In in that environment in 2020, early 2020, and what we did actually was we that project happened to be studying small businesses Hmm. and how digital tool the hypothesis was that digital tools were going to act as this safety net that I mentioned, and turns out they did. Yes, but we measured the extent why uh, the extent how why. They were using the tools, how they deployed the tools, what kinds of digital tools and um, measured the degree to which they felt they were relying on these tools and the degree to which they might use them more in the future if they hadn't already. So, you know, we got a lot of very interesting results that are still pertinent to this day, because now even though COVID is winding down, now you have a bunch of companies that are using Zoom and they're using uh, Google ads and all kinds of tools like that. They're mostly going to continue doing that. Because now it's become part of the way they do business and now on the verge of a possible recession or other economic disruptions like in the supply chain. Wait, there's going to be a
1: recession? (laughs) I I hadn't heard that.
0: Not definitive, but, you know, a lot. (laughs) Certainly the economy has been disrupted. Yeah. Right. And so not related to covid, there are still these disruptions and these kinds of uh, digital tools can still act as a safety net. Right. Yeah. Of of sorts. So it's not perfect, but you're not going to go out of business either.
1: Has your firm become more virtual or are you all still going in the office or how how, how did that play out?
0: It's a mix. Um, We actually have about half the folks in the D.C. area. We have about half the folks in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, And so actually in D.C., we're a little bit more virtual, running around all the time, working from home. Uh, In Charleston, people do have a flexible schedule, but we do have an office there and people are in
1: there at at least 50 percent of the time. So you talked about the Atlantic and Politico, the other sort of brands in the universe, Axios, et cetera. Having a media brand in Washington, D.C. is both, in my opinion, tough to to get done, tough to defend, but incredibly valuable. I am told by the friends of mine in the trade association and think tank world that they read Axios first thing every morning, at least the friends that I, I interact with. And I'm thinking, well, if they're doing that, then there are folks across the aisle, so to speak, or the people on the Hill that they need to... Uh, interact with, are doing the same thing, which is an incredibly vital brand identification. But it seems like there's some churn in that. So what do you see in the media universe and, and information gathering branding that that's, that's going on here?
0: Well, the, the interesting thing about Washington, D.C. that isn't really the case anywhere else, except maybe Silicon Valley, is that, you know, the, the readers, the sources and the advertisers are all the same people. Yeah. A, a wise person once told me that. And there's a lot of truth to that. So it's very insular. Um, everyone is talking to every everyone else about everyone else, um, but no one outside is really paying too much attention to a lot of the nitty gritty. So, to some extent, you know, these morning newsletters and such are you need to kind of graze on all of them because otherwise you'll fall behind what all your contemporaries and peers are reading. One thing I found interesting because they can all look the same after a while. Everyone saying Mitch McConnell is going to do X. Yeah. Everyone because that's what he's doing. So everyone's just saying the same thing. I've seen some folks in different ways, Politico with a partnership with Morning Consult, yep. um, Punchbowl, they're doing different kinds of data-infused reporting where they're doing a snap poll or they're doing um, you know, a quick survey of experts or Hill, Hill staff, senior Hill staff, and they're getting a snapshot of opinion taking that data and incorporating it into their newsletters or yep. websites. Yep. That's very interesting because that sets you apart because obviously the research you do is unique. Yeah. And if you can tap into some unique panel of people or group of experts or some kind of survey mechanism, like what Morning Consult does very well, that can set you apart. And I think, you know, just reading the Punchful newsletters, they're great. And I always enjoy their infographics and data surveys,
1: Uh, of that ill. That's the voice of Mark Drapeau. Mark is the one of the partners at RXN, a consulting firm here in Washington, DC. When we return, I'm going to talk about data with Mark because there's so much of it. How do you make sense of it and present it in a way that can have an impact on your client? We'll be right back. on what's working in Washington. We talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a DC insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. It's What's Working in Washington. We're here once again with Mark Drapeau. Mark is one of the partners at RxN Group, consulting firm, media studio, all the above, information, database, advice-giving firm, which is quite common here in Washington, D.C. But let's talk about research, uh, because that's one of the core, obviously, the core values that you bring. What's the balance with you and your colleagues between research you create on your own and then distribute or being asked to go research a topic is it 50 50 or how does that play out oh it's probably more like
0: like 70 30 or 80 20 right now I I think we which is the 80 oh client client based work okay you know so, so certainly a lot we spend a lot of our time talking to clients about some challenge they're facing and as part of solving that problem conducting research that hopefully can be a catalyst that creates a reaction that moves the needle uh, wherever it needs to be moved. So, you know, the, the, the sort of block and tackle of the research we do is not unique in and of itself. Uh, we, we do polls, we do focus groups and so on, you know, um, but how we present it, how we tell that story, how we publish it ourselves in different formats through our think tank, the Data Catalyst Institute, or in other formats, that in mashing that up with a good understanding of how policymakers think what language they want to see. So not presenting it in a researchy kind of way, but presenting the research in a public affairs kind of way so that it really connects with the audience in in the right way and has the intended effect. And, you know, not to paint with too broad a brush, but many firms either just do research and that research is often presented or published in a very research conclusions kind of way, not designed to influence or the firms that are really excellent at influencing in some way um, don't have in-staff research that is integrated with their practice. So they get the research from somewhere else. We feel we have a stronger offering because of that integration.
1: Focus. So how often do you find yourself working with the, quote, think tank, unquote, university of Manhattan, Cato, stuff like that, Brookings?
0: We really don't at all, except we, we do contact folks that are interested in some of the same topics we're working on okay. or aligned with us in some kind of way where we certainly want to share what we're doing with them. So we will share our research reports with them. And we've, we've had occasions where they will write an op-ed um, for their, their think tank or in the Hill or someplace comparable about our work, which is terrific validation, of course. Um, but by and large, we don't spend too much
1: time interacting with them. So state versus federal. Um, you said you have some teammates down in Charleston. Do you? Does that mean you get a lot of work in South Carolina, or is that just the nature of the of the geography? And and B, uh, what's the balance in state versus federal? And is there a sort of business that flows back and forth, or issues that flow back and forth? In your experience,
0: yeah, we on Charleston. It's really more of a, a byproduct of COVID, where some partners are living there. You know, more for for, for personal reasons. Nice place and to be. It, it's a it's a lovely city. It's a nice place to build a business. It's a tight-knit community. I enjoy traveling down there. And, um, you know, it's it's now in this semi-virtual world that we live in. It's no problem to have an office outside D.C. and do work in D.C. And, you know, many folks have satellite offices in Charleston, Florida, other other places. In terms of state versus federal, we – I don't know what the percentages are, but we do quite a bit of work in both our process of integrating – the influence with the research is very much the same, but the players are different. And so things like um, rental and tenant law, things like certain aspects of medical law, um, s- certain aspects of um, you know labor law, right? These are often state issues. And yeah. so similar kinds of clients that are being disruptive in maybe a regulated space or on a regulated issue like those I mentioned – um, they're often dealing with state capitals or even cities, large cities, um, and their city council or mayor or members of the state house. But we we operate in much the same way. We think about things empathetically from from their point of view. What is going to change their mind? Where who's who's stuck on this? Who's on our side? All that kind of stuff. And then we do the research at the more local level. Talking to outside validating voices is quite interesting because sometimes we get asked to find an economist only in New York City or in Boston uh, because there's a Boston or New York City specific issue or to find local businesses in a particular area. That's more of a challenge, but it's also pretty interesting to dig deeper versus some of the national level work we do where we're talking to folks all over the country.
1: Do you find that your assignments or the the nature of your assignments – is getting siloed into specific arenas like the environment or national defense or you mentioned supply chain and sort of uh, a business-to-business arena, stuff like that? Or do you typically get uh, a relationship that's broad and then you get assignments based upon specific targets or specific issues with the client that's a, a broad relationship?
0: Well, I, I like to boil down the things that we're interested in into three words data which we've talked about a bit so we're interested in data-driven decision-making data-driven arguments digital because the whole world is becoming digital um, fast or slow or what have you but we're moving very much into a more digital world and things the rules are different to some extent in a digital world Um, and disruption so we sometimes work with with clients um, in more traditional industries maybe the problem isn't around digital or data But it's around them just being disrupted in some kind of regulated space. Yeah. That's also interesting. So especially when two or more of those things are involved, we get very excited and we're very interested in how big forces in the world in uh, technology, in economics and markets, in legal and policy and in society all bump up against each other and create tensions that become problems. Yeah. Those tensions often involve data, digital disruption.
1: So um, many would argue, and I'm not making a political comment here, since I worked for the Obama administration the last couple of years as a political appointee. But the transition from that administration to Trump, and then from Trump to Biden, so some of the older veterans, and maybe I'm one of them in D.C., say that's they've they've rarely seen such a different philosophy of how things, uh, how the machinery operates. How was your firm sort of able to handle that? What what what, what were some some of the challenges that you saw? in uh, 17 when Trump came in and now 2021 when, when Biden came in?
0: Yeah, honestly, from our point of view, it didn't affect very much. Wow. We, we are not, you know, we, for the most part are not taking meetings at the white house and what have you. So we're not directly involved with some of those kinds of players. It's more about Congress or more about more niche issues that are more downstream of some of the personalities involved that you're referring to, you know, so, by yeah. and large, you know, we focus on the national economy. What is, you know, small business owners, by and large, aren't affected by who's in the White House. It, it may affect them. But, you know, they're, we're interested in much more fundamental issues. Is the supply chain working? Yeah. Can you get access to capital? And, you know, no matter what level we're working at for a client or a problem to small businesses or to academics, their perspectives don't really change all that much. So, we have – sort of a steady approach to studying these these big forces in the world, these big disruptive changes that are happening no matter who's in the White House or what's happening elsewhere in the world. It's it's all kind of happening. And our big goal is to make data driven arguments that are smart and credible and authentic. And our tagline is uh, authenticity empowered, yeah. which is what we we believe that we offer clients. We want to bring those authentic stories and, and facts to the table and, and present them to whoever the decision makers are, whether it's the white house or the small business committee in, in the house or what, or, you know, a local city council, it's all to us. It's all the same approach because that approach frankly works.
1: We're talking with Mark Drapeau, partner at RXN group here in Washington, DC. So let's talk about data versus story. You've used those two terms and I, I love that because I have found in my experience, people learn through stories. It's good to have the data back it up, but sometimes you need the, the data first. Am I do you agree with me? Do you see that working as well? Do you find that sometimes when you present data, you almost need to have kind of a thematic story around it so that it's it's digestible? Is that what happens?
0: Yeah, very few people like looking at the raw data, yeah. right? O- yeah. Only pollsters pretty much like looking at crosstabs or even use terms like crosstabs. Right. So, right. you know, you do need to tell the story and put Context around it, whether you call it a story or a narrative or content, it doesn't really matter. Storytelling is a fundamentally human thing that is what we react to and have been doing for thousands of years. So that's why stories are so powerful, and we can tell those stories through an expert voice, perhaps using our work or our data in an op-ed or in in a blog post. We can use those stories in in a briefing or, or, or testimony. We can use them as part of research reports that involve case studies, photos. Yep. Um, but it's about putting the data in context that people can understand beyond the numbers.
1: Well, famously, the prior president was known for looking at pictures. At least that was the assertion about him. And uh, obviously, he took a lot of heat for it. I was always sort of like, you know what? A lot of people uh, prefer pictures sometimes to cross tabs. So that that's your point. Well,
0: graphics – if done well, can be incredibly powerful. That's right. why every scientific article, every economic – they all have graphics. Exactly right. So um, I, I, I always thought that was a strange criticism.
1: <laughs> right. I, I, of, of, of things you could choose, that might be rough. So we're talking once again with Mark Drapeau. Mark is one of the partners at RxN Group. We ask all of our guests here on What's Working in Washington um, this final question. If you ruled the world, what's one thing you would start happening or one thing you would stop happening? or well, you can do both. Well,
0: this is more of a stop. I think it's a little strange to say this inside a a journalism uh, studio here where we are. But, you know, I think think a lot about as good as journalism is and the value it does provide, it's not the only way to understand what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. There are other ways to analyze data, process it, tell those stories. We do a version of that at RxN Group. But you could also think about something like, Um, The intelligence community, Mm -hmm. they analyze the world, they collect data, analyze it, present it to presidents and other stakeholders in a fundamentally different way than journalists do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wish more regular people who are the consumers here would realize that isn't the only way to look at the world is not only through local news uh, or through national cable TV or a major newspaper, but there are other ways to process the data and and get to different understandings about what's happening. And I think that's in the future, that's gonna be especially important as the world becomes more and more complicated and innovation moves faster. Mm -hmm. The world is changing right in front of our eyes and it's only gonna be harder to understand the consequences of that.
1: Way to go, great prediction. Mark Dreppow, one of the partners of RxN Group has been our guest here on What's Working in Washington. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraft. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the Sunbakers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and a streaming as a podcast.